Welcome to Don't Read Drunk, a podcast about books and booze. I'm Jenny, and I'll be your host. Hi, welcome back. Thanks for joining again. It is episode 45, and today we're talking about The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins Reid. And it's so wonderfully appropriate since this past weekend, I officiated the wedding of my best friend from third grade and her husband. It was such an incredible honor, and I think it was such a beautiful ceremony, even if I do say so myself, since I was the one performing the ceremony. But she and I spent some time, and we created the ceremony really around them, and I really like how we personalized it. So I thought it turned out really incredible. Though... I will say she hasn't been married even close to the seven times of our heroine today. (laughs) The wedding was an outdoor ceremony. The weather was perfect. And if you haven't spent time in Northern Wisconsin, I recommend it. And I'm a big fan of living in the city. I've lived in the city for almost 21 years. I love the restaurants, the museums, the fun things to do, the grocery stores, because there's so much selection in the grocery stores and I love cooking. So it's important to me to have lots of different foods available to me. And of course, the convenience is really fabulous. It's nice to get away though, and northern Wisconsin is so gorgeous. And then it's also nice to get away when scary things uh, happen, like in areas that I'm familiar with, like the recent shooting in Highland Park, Illinois. And I just saw an article too that the shooter from Highland Park was also planning uh, shootings in Wisconsin as well. So just really terrifying. Last week, I talked about my concerns with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and the constant threat of violence that looms is another one of my concerns for sure, too. There are so many shootings, and there are so many things happening on the political landscape right now that it's easy to get really overwhelmed with it, but because there's so much being thrown at us constantly, and there are so many shootings, and there are so many really just impactful things that are happening, it's easy to tune out too. But now is not the time to tune out what's happening in our country. This is definitely the time to act. And I know it can seem overwhelming to have another task and even just feeling overwhelming knowing what to do. The thing that I would say is absolutely make sure to vote. This is one big thing that we can do is to support those in office who will stand up for our rights. And while I think I've made it pretty clear, I'm not a fan of politicians or politics, I definitely think this is a time to make a stand. There are some decent politicians out there. There are some that are just better than the other politicians that they're competing against. But take the time, find out who the politicians are, find out what role they play, find out how they vote, learn about them and vote accordingly. I recently read an article on how there are people on social media who are offering to drive women to get health care where they can get it legally and then opening their homes to these women for aftercare. And I don't really know if this is the case or not since I'm not on social media, but as this article said, please do not do this. Do not put yourself or these women at risk. Instead, support local organizations that do this very thing. There are organizations out there that support women who are looking for healthcare support, especially needing it right now with the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Volunteer, donate financially if you can, and make sure you're donating to legitimate organizations as well. 
there are actions we can take. Just slow down, think about the next best step. I know that I am a very emotional person. A lot of times I react emotionally. Times like this, situations like this, it's definitely important to slow down and breathe and figure out how we can each make a difference and how we can best help. And again, like I just said, I'm very passionate about these things, as you can tell, and I don't feel right about keeping silent. We may have a small following here at Don't Read Drunk, but it is a following and everything we do makes a difference. So let's stand up for our rights and now is definitely the time to do it. But I could stay on my soapbox, like I said, forever. So let's lighten things back up and we'll talk about some booze here. For this novel about a glamorous Hollywood starlet, I wanted something that matched. So I decided to go with a sparkling wine. I went with Ravada Prosecco from Total Wine. It was a top rated wine of summer coming in at number 14. And I love sparkling wines and champagne. It always takes a celebration up a notch. So we had mimosas before the wedding, and I totally had to give credit to the cousin who brought it. Like, this is a great idea. Of course, we needed mimosas before the wedding. (laughs) I tend to prefer dry, which this was labeled as an off try, and I thought I'd give it a try. And I enjoyed it. I was worried that it would be too sweet, and while it was a little bit sweeter than what I usually prefer, I still really enjoyed it. The fruity flavors that the description boasts are green apple, citrus, and apricot. To me, it tasted a little citrusy, but not too acidic. It was rated 4.4 of 5 on Total Wine, and it got some great reviews. A number of people said it was great for brunch and mimosas. And while this wasn't the wine or the champagne sparkling wine (laughs) that we used at the wedding for mimosas, I definitely agree that this one would be great for mimosas. And since I read that, I would agree that it's a great pairing for brunch and I also make this really great gnocchi with a bacon cream sauce. That's a really easy dish, but it feels really elegant and it's so good. (laughs) And this would definitely help take that up a notch too. The price point was great at $12.99. So I would definitely pick this up again. And I will make that gnocchi dish with this glass of Prosecco when I'm looking to impress. (laughs) On to the author. Taylor Jenkins Reid, which I didn't know a ton about her, and I still don't know a ton about her. I didn't have time. I was going to look up some interviews and stuff, but the paying job, the one I actually make money at, has been really busy, so I didn't get a chance to do that, but I read a little bit on her bios, and I will share that. So this is from her website. Taylor Jenkins Reid is the author of the New York Times bestselling novels Malibu Rising, Daisy Jones and the Six, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, as well as One True Love, Maybe in Another Life, After I Do, and Forever Interrupted. Her books have been chosen by Reese's Book Club, Read with Jenna, Indie Next, Best of Amazon, and Book of the Month. Her novel, Daisy Jones and the Six, is currently being adapted by Hello Sunshine into a limited series for Amazon. She lives in Los Angeles. So, yawn, boring, sorry, not a great bio. <laughs> Wikipedia was a little better. So this is from Wikipedia. 
Reed was born in Maryland on December 20th, 1983. At age 12, Reed and her family moved to Acton, Massachusetts. While working in the film industry, she met and married Alex Jenkins Reed. They now live in Los Angeles with their daughter. So I'm guessing they combined their names because they're both Jenkins Reed. So one of them was a Jenkins, the other was a Reed, and they combined their names. So I do like that. I think that's really cool and progressive. But again, not really exciting, but I'm going to give her a pass because I love her writing and now I am a total fan. And I've heard great things about Daisy Jones and the Six, and I didn't realize that she wrote both that and The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. So I am definitely planning on reading more of her books. After last week, I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about this book. I will tell you that it was even better than I heard it was, and it was better than I expected. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo is the story of aging Hollywood darling Evelyn Hugo as told to an unknown but aspiring writer, Monique Grant. Evelyn has chosen Monique to write authorized, it is an authorized biography, spilling decades worth of secrets and putting Monique in a challenging challenging situation as well. As a matter of fact, a couple challenging situations. It is a deliciously salacious story that is worthy of a great beach read, but also tackles some serious subjects in a beautiful and really natural way, I think, a really comfortable way. I absolutely loved how the story of Monique frames the overall story of Evelyn. Monique is relatable and real. She works hard and wants to be a successful writer. She's talented as well, but is ignored for several reasons. Evelyn handpicks Monique to be the writer to tell her story. So while Monique is managing the most important point of her career, she's also trying to manage her personal life. So many books focus on the perfect woman who is having her moment, but Monique is trying not to mess things up with both her current employer, a well-known magazine, which I'm guessing is modeled after Vogue, and with Evelyn, whose story could make her a multi-millionaire. Yet behind the scenes, she's struggling with her self-identity and she's nursing a broken heart. Her husband has just left her and her roller coaster of emotions is all too relatable for me. And as a single mom, I definitely identify with this struggle for balance. I just had one of those, those days the other day. My car broke down. I had to figure out how to pick up my kid from summer school. I had to manage some household responsibilities. And I had to work at my paying job on top of that. And not having a partner to help in these moments makes it that much more stressful. But just being a working mom is a tough business in itself. Evelyn, a woman who has had to navigate in a man's world and the world of Hollywood, tells Monique early on, make them pay you what they would pay a white man. This calling out of the wage gap between white men and the rest of their working counterparts sets the scene in so many ways. It's also been noted that men in general negotiate differently and are promoted more often because they ask for it. And men will apply for jobs that they are not qualified for where their female counterparts won't, even though they have the same or sometimes better qualifications than those men that apply for jobs they're not quite qualified for. And this reminds me of an ex who told me that the art of negotiating is that you have to be ready to walk away and you also have to know the value of what you're offering. And this is definitely accurate for me. I don't always negotiate or value myself as I should. 
I love when Monique does negotiate for herself. This reminds me how I need to stand up for myself more. I fall into that people pleasing pattern, which honestly, that part of myself really isn't what has gotten me where I am today. I think there's a fine balance between being a good person and people pleasing. I think it's important, at least it's important to me to try to be generous and giving and being a good person. But I need to make sure that I'm doing that because I want to and not just because I've got into that people pleasing habit. Being with a woman like Evelyn, a woman who's been used by the industry, but is a talented manipulator in her own right, Monique is in a transition state. She's learning more about herself as Evelyn shares her story. She's learning more about the type of woman she is and the type of woman she wants to be. To me, it feels really metamorphic. I think it's important to be constantly changing and growing. There are times that it might feel like we're regressing, but there are those moments that are significantly impactful and so much that they stand out to us. And this is definitely Monique's moment. Evelyn is all too happy to import her wisdom and she's got some great thoughts. She says the world respects people who think they should be running it. And what she really means is men, because she later says that the world prefers a woman who doesn't know her power. I think she's got something to both those statements. People will follow natural leaders. Look at how successful that certain cults have been. Even when it gets to the crazy point, these leaders have already proven themselves and gained their following. So even once they start going off the deep end, people are still following them because they've already acted like they should be running the world. (laughs) And people do respect strength of character. Not all strong personalities have strong character though. And I think people are okay with a powerful woman as long as she doesn't express it boldly. Historically, we as a society do not know how to handle a strong woman. As Evelyn's story unfolds, we learn that she's definitely a strong woman, but she's portrayed herself as a woman who, quote, knows her place. And that's also a clear contributor to her success. It sounds as though she's both telling a cautionary tale and at the same time advising Monique to be more bold than she herself has been. Evelyn also says, quote, when you're given an opportunity to change your life, be ready to do whatever it takes to make it happen. The context that Evelyn shares this advice is a little sad and definitely off-putting for me, though I've never had a lot of feminine wiles to use to my benefit. (laughs) I haven't ever tried to take advantage of the sexuality I do have to get ahead. Though, I don't fault those who do. Men have used women for years and continue to do so. I don't judge a woman who uses her femininity and sexuality to get ahead. While I don't necessarily love the idea of it, I would definitely be naive to think that it doesn't happen every single day. I do like the idea of taking the opportunities that are presented to you. It takes skill, not only to recognize when the opportunity presents itself, but also to know how to take advantage of that opportunity. There are some really easy examples of women like Evelyn. I think of the Kardashians right away. (laughs) And I know for me, not being a fan of the Kardashians, like at all, I talk about them a lot because just in some of the things that I talk about, they're just such great examples. And they are beautiful ladies who have taken advantage of the opportunities they have. And again, while I'm not a fan, Evelyn is a good reminder that just because women and some more than others are valued for their appearance does not mean that they don't have depth. 
we judge many women based on their appearance. And there's often a lot of value in that, but there is a lot going on underneath the surface too. And I'm not saying that every beautiful woman has intelligence or even depth. I'm just saying that I think we as a society dismiss women. And I think we especially dismiss women who we see the val- just the value in their beauty. And I'll admit that I have done this. I used to call Paris Hilton a waste of space that she contributed nothing to society other than to look pretty. And I didn't even think she was that pretty. And while I still know little to nothing about Paris Hilton, I judged her and I was wrong in judging her because the point is she's still a person who has value in her own right. And that value is not just in her appearance or her famous name. There are some things that stood out to me that I related to, but there are so many more beautiful messages in the book besides what I've just talked about. The big question that Monique and everyone else want to ask Evelyn, who was married seven times, is who was the true love of your life? So I had not read anything about this book ahead of time, and I was surprised to learn that the love of her life, spoiler alert, so if you are um, to want any spoiler, then skip ahead. (laughs) But the love of her life was a woman, a fellow actress. And the book gently and carefully explores Evelyn's bisexuality in a time when she would not only be rejected by society, but also potentially persecuted. And my heart broke for her and for the friends she so eloquently introduces us to when they're unable to express the love that they have. Jenkins Reid really conveys the fear that people have in expressing themselves and their love and how deeply it could impact their lives. I love how she explores this and goes in depth across the whole length of the book. It's not just in one small portion. She she goes over it throughout times and how things change in people's lives and how it affects them differently as their lives change. It really isn't as easy as just saying fuck it and doing what you want. But the sad thing is that it still isn't as easy as just saying fuck it and doing what you want and loving who you love. Well, I like to think we're more progressive than old Hollywood used to be. Recent events that I've talked about in the past couple of weeks have me questioning how safe it is to be yourself. Everyone's encouraging people to be authentic, but there is still real fear behind it when you can be persecuted lawfully and by society. The diversity in this book is so beautifully and skillfully done that it's clear that there's diversity, but it's not an in-your-face statement. Monique is biracial, her boss is black, and the best yet also saddest part is that Evelyn is Cuban. The sad part is the book details how Evelyn and the movie studio turned her into a white woman. The statement is made on the wrongness of the situation without bringing too much attention and focus to it. Again, it's not in your face. It just is. And while Hollywood is catching up on this and things are kind of coming around, there is still so much whitewashing that continues to happen. And the political scene definitely needs some revamping as far as diversity goes. And in my opinion, revamping in a lot of other ways too. I think there's also a message in how people continually want to call Evelyn a lesbian or call her straight. As a society, we want to label things. We find comfort in that. We find security in that. This is why I think so many people are upset by gender fluidity and specificity. 
for their whole lives they've been men and women. To say that there are other options scares them. And I've talked a lot about this too. We fear the unknown. If we can't label something, then we can't explain it. And to be unable to explain something equates to fear. But the thing is, even when we do label things, it doesn't mean it's an accurate label or that label gives us any security, which if Jenkins Reed meant to do this, then she's a freaking genius. But Evelyn's seven marriages prove that even taking vows, getting married does not provide security. So the label of spouse doesn't mean that you won't end up alone. I'm not faulting human nature for wanting to explain the world around us. I get that. I want to explain it too. But we have to understand that the things around us are constantly shifting and changing. As I like to say, the only guarantees in life are death, taxes, and change. (laughs) There is a pretty shocking twist at the end, and I definitely had no idea where it was going. It is completely full circle for everything the novel has been saying. Yet at the same time, I don't even know that it was necessary. I think it drives that um, interest, I guess, when there's a shocking twist like this, but it was a beautiful and complete book without it. Though again, I'll admit it adds a level of further richness to the story and drives the final point home that love is worth the risk no matter who you love. Evelyn also reminds us that no one is the victor or the victim, which is what I say all the time, that we're not all good or all bad. And as Monique succinctly puts it, it applies to everyone. This was exactly the book that I wanted to read. It's timely, diverse, a great beach read. It has depth, and it's a great story of friendship and love. Yes, it's cliche at times. Evelyn isn't always a likable character. There are imperfections, but it is a beautiful novel, and I can't wait to read more books by Jenkins Reid. Overall, I gave it a 5 out of 5. I will say I did listen to this as an audiobook. The performance is quite good. The one thing that threw me off multiple times and made me wish I would have read the actual physical copy was the different voices of Evelyn. There's Evelyn's voice as Monique is sharing, and then there's Evelyn's voice when she's telling the story. And I get used to voices. So switching between the two really confused me a couple times and was definitely disconcerting. So the narration was great. It wasn't the narrators, but rather the production I have issues with. If I read it again, I would go with a physical book personally. Goodreads gave it a 4.48. Some other reviews are not the type of book I usually read, but something drew me to it and I was hooked. It's perfect, easy beach read material. Another one. This right here, this is why I read for the joy and privilege of coming across an exquisite story like this and being swept up in its magic. And I felt the same way about this. Such a beautiful story. It's so magical. I loved everything about this. Someone else said this didn't work for me. Two big things, writing and relationships. TJR's writing doesn't work. She points out things to the reader rather than letting them develop opinions of their own. It feels like the only way she can write relationship problems is to make the love interest awful. And I guess I haven't read enough of her writing to really know where that sits. But personally, I disagreed. I thought it was just a beautiful book and people are imperfect. And I thought it was a really good example of the imperfection of people. Someone else said repeatedly winced at the sloppy, silly prose full of schmaltzy advice which 
I do kind of agree with this a little bit. It does get a little soppy, silly, prosy, and there was some schmaltzy advice, but I still loved it anyways. Another review, I care deeply for the flawed characters in this book. Just pick it up and read it already. <laughs> And I agree, Evelyn is very flawed, but it's very easy to get invested in both her and her story. Someone else said all the characters feel like real people, complex, nuanced, and painfully human. Not only is the story incredibly diverse, it's old Hollywood setting, it also has the best bi representation I've ever seen. Personally, I didn't think it was the best bi representation I've seen, but maybe one of the best in such a popular novel. Some of the better representations I've seen maybe have not been as successful as this one. So I personally recommend checking it out. I was waiting for this book. This was exactly what I needed at exactly the right time. (laughs) Media recommendations this week, Top of the Lake, Hulu. This has been on my list for a while, but the disappearance of a 12-year-old pregnant child and super heavy themes. And I was a little unsure about when I wanted to watch that. I have to be in the right mood. But it was such an incredible show that stars Elizabeth Moss, who's an incredible actress. And while it's heavy, it's really well done. There are some beautiful real-life moments and some things that made me laugh. Also, I love the way women are represented as real, imperfect, but they still have value being presented this imperfect way. I haven't watched season two, China Girl, but it is on my list for this week. I also watched Marry Me on Prime, and I was pretty disappointed. It was just a cliche rom-com and nothing special, which you're wondering why it's on my list of recommendations. Well, technically it's not, because it did make me want to watch Austin Land again, which is so much better. So that's my actual recommendation is Austin land and Austin land might be a little cliche in that rom-com type of way, but I love Carrie Russell and there are so many funny parts that just make me laugh, especially when she plays hot in here by Nelly on the piano. Even if you don't like rom-coms, I think Austin land is a fun adventure with a lot more humor and a better story. So Skip Marry Me and watch Austin Land. Thanks for joining. You can find me on Instagram at Don't Read Drunk. You can email me at don'treaddrunk at gmail.com or check out my website, don'treaddrunk.buzzsprout.com. This is a hobby podcast, so if you'd like to support me, please donate a one time donation through PayPal using my email, don'treaddrunk at gmail.com. There is no apostrophe in the don't on any of those, uh, Instagram, email, or website. You can also support this podcast by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash don't read drunk. Thank you so much to my sponsors, Aaron Ruiz at One Up Till Sunup, who created the music. You can find One Up Till Sunup on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Also, Avenue Coffee House. You can find them on Facebook and their website at avenue-coffeehouse.com. Also check out the newly opened Supernova located downtown Milwaukee and their amazing homemade donut. Next episode, we'll be talking about The Wasp Factory by Ian Banks. Bye and talk to you soon. Mm